0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about tax and financial advice and how heavily interrelated they are and how important it is uh, to have a congruent tax and uh, wealth-building strategy. It's something that I see every single day of the week and and certainly over the last 16 years of uh, running Pro Solutions. So hopefully what I want to do in this podcast is just share some real-life case studies, some client stories, and hopefully what it does is demonstrate to you how interrelated it is, and then I'm going to share with you what you can do uh, to make sure that you're not missing out on any opportunities because it's really important that the left hand knows what the right hand is doing it's interesting that about, according to the ATO, about seventy percent of people have a, a a registered tax agent that prepares their tax returns. So really a tax advisor, and according to some recent research by a fund manager called BlackRock, uh, about fifteen. Uh, percent of Australians have a relationship with a financial advisor. Uh, Not surprising that number is really low, particularly given the stories coming out of the Royal Commission lately. Uh, So I doubt that number is going to increase significantly in the future as a result of those stories and the damage that financial planners have done to their reputation. But suffice to say that, you know, that small uh, amount of people that actually have an advisor, The interesting thing is that accountants and advisors really talk to each other. So in 16 years of running a business, a financial advisory business, I've never had a client, or at least I can't recall, uh, ever having a client's accountant ring me up and say, okay, Stuart, what's the strategy here? What's this client going to do? Because I'd be very open to having that conversation, sharing the strategy and making sure my client is going to get some really good tax advice. But it's never happened. So, which is a, a little bit alarming. And, um, and so what can you do to make sure these things are interrelated? So let me share a few different, um, stories, which are really just recent, you know, last few months where we've we've acted for the client as their tax advisor and financial advisor and some benefits of working together as one holistic team. So it's not a a, a sell on pro solution, but what I want to do is use these stories to demonstrate how interrelated these matters are. Okay, so the first story I'd like to tell is about a client that had a hybrid discretionary trust. So not not uh, which is a type of trust that we wouldn't normally or typically recommend. It has a bit of compliance risk, and um, we we think they're misused uh, to a large degree or oversold to a large degree. Anyway, uh, because of some previous advice he received. He um, invested in a particular product that uh, through a hybrid discretionary trust, and it didn't work out well. He made a, a large capital loss, so it was a large capital loss in this trust. And we were developing, a, I was developing a, a financial strategy for him, and that financial strategy included investing in some property, but then also investing in some shares. And so I was thinking to myself, look, I don't really like the hybrid discretionary trust, um, but he's got about seventy thousand dollars worth of carried forward tax losses in this trust. And if I want to invest in shares, wouldn't it be good to invest in the entity that has these carried forward losses so that eventually if we ever sell down the shares, which I imagine we will do potentially in retirement, uh we we can um save a bit of tax. So I went uh, I, I got up from my desk and walked over to the accountant and we had a chat about it. Um he went and off got some legal advice. We got a lawyer just to put some documents together, didn't cost very much. Uh, to, to do that and essentially we converted the hybrid discretionary trust into a just a normal discretionary family trust and um, we were able to utilize those losses and so now we're Investing in that way and it's nice and congruent in terms of saving tax, but also uh, building wealth uh, Another example is our accountant was was preparing some financials for a self-managed super fund for a client um one client uh is retired the other one is not uh the one that's retired is obviously in pension phase the other the one that's working is um is isn't in pension phase uh, yet uh but she reached her preservation age during the the financial year that the that the account was putting the, the the returns together, so he came over and spoke to me and said, "Well, maybe the wife should be in pension phase now, in, in order to um, to reduce her the, the amount of tax that the super fund pays." And, and so uh, that was picked up nice and easily. And I guess it's it's a uh, uh, and so gonna, obviously going to save the client uh, some tax naturally in the, in the super fund. Um, And I guess it's an example of taking that holistic approach, not just for accountants burying their their head in, just pumping out the financial statements and tax return, but really taking a a step back and and looking at holistically at the the investments. Another plan that I was working on probably about a year ago um, involved uh, some clients that were self-employed. And... Uh, they had uh, they were distributing into a company distributing some com- uh, profit into a into a company uh, a non-trading company just to really cap their tax rate at the corporate tax rate at 30% um but that uh, that crystallized what's called division 7A liabilities um and it gets a bit technical and messy but it, but but the structure is just a bit technical and messy essentially watering it all down they had some profit in the company and they had two choices leave it in the company and invest it there Or uh, take the money out of the company, uh, and then that would, they'd have to pay tax at marginal tax rates, or they'd get some tax credits, but they'd have to pay a little bit more tax and invest it in an entity that's more tax effective. And so, what we determined was best for these clients is that we, that part of the strategy included investing in property. And so what we said to them is, look, let's have the company own 20% of the property and we can use the retained profits in that company to to fund that 20%. Uh, And then you as individuals can own the remaining 80% and they actually owned it as... 40% Uh, 40% each, uh, the, 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 both spouses had 40% holding each. Um, and that way it, um, balanced out all the tax outcomes, but still allowed them to invest in quality assets and, uh, minimize the amount that they needed to borrow. At least they had the, the, the amount in the company was completely offset. So a, a perfect approach to resolving what could be a potential tax planning issue in the future and tax compliance issue uh, with making sure that the overall investment strategy was congruent as well. Another one is one that I worked on this week, which is uh, some clients that they wanted to upgrade their home. Um, In order to do that, they need to maximise their borrowing capacity. But naturally, when an accountant puts uh, tax returns together, their goal is really to minimise um, taxable income. So find as many deductions as possible uh, to obviously save the client tax. That's the the accountant's role. The the unfortunate side of the impact of that, however, is that it also reduces a client's borrowing capacity. So it's great to save on tax, but then if you're sort of cutting your nose off to spite your face, because then you can't go and borrow to achieve your lifestyle or um, investment goals. Uh, so what we were able to do acting as accountant and financial advisor for this client is certify to the bank that, hey, there were some non-reoccurring expenses in that financial year that aren't ongoing. And um, because we have such a strong relationship with that bank and they, the bank can uh, obviously places a lot of reliance on, on that certification, um, we were able to get the bank to uh, rely upon the higher normalised income rather than the income represented in the tax return for that particular year. So a really good example how tax and financial planning advice can be interrelated. I think we can take that one step further to say that, look, if we had a conversation with the client about what their plans were – um, we could make sure that the tax return is prepared in a way that's going to help us achieve those those plans. So it's really about understanding, you know, if, you, if you're going to want to go out and borrow, then tax minimisation might not be the highest priority that year. In a year that you're not necessarily going to go out and borrow, then um, go health for on, on tax minimisation. The last example would be super contributions, particularly for self-employed people. Uh, self-employed people uh, can obviously make, uh, tax deductible contributions into super it gets a bit technical because there's two types of contributions you can make employer and personal and it really depends on whether you make them personally uh, well not really actually it depends on when you make them personally or through an entity and so forth and if you get it wrong uh, you potentially get denied a, a tax deduction on the other end. So um, it's great for financial advisors to say, yeah, make contributions, but it's also then really important you go and speak to your accountant to make sure how are these contributions going to be classified? Are they personal? Are they employer? Um, because that's going to affect the tax deductions on the other side. Uh, so I would say that the more complexity you have, the more important it is for your accounting advice tax advice uh, to be congruent with your financial advice. So, if you have a relatively simple situation, so a simple situation to me would be, say, few investments, uh, no entities, so no companies, trusts, or self-managed super funds. You're not self-employed. So, if you can tick those three boxes, I'd say that you're pretty, you've got a simple situation, and therefore, this that the theme of this podcast probably doesn't really apply to you. Um, but uh, but if you do have some complexity, so entities uh, or a lot of investments, or you're self-employed. This um, podcast is exactly for you and you really then absolutely need to make sure that your financial and tax advice is interrelated. So what can you do about it? Well, um, obviously you can be the conduit to, to sharing that information. So if, you, if you're using... A, a tax advisor and a financial advisor that aren't in the same firm or you're doing your own financial advice um, really then it's up to you to be the conduit of that information and making sure well the onus is really on is, is on you to make sure that you actually uh, communicate that information correctly as well because sometimes I've had clients go and speak to their accountant and they've not used the right terminology um, and they've sort of misrepresented what's happening to the accountant and it can create some problems so that's one option. The other option is obviously to use one firm, so that you've got a whole team that's looking after your financial situation so that um, nothing slips between the gaps. And I guess there's two advantages to that. The first one is um, that, you know, we're all time poor. So, you know, if we've got various advisors in different locations, uh, what it means is we we'll have to provide the same information to them and have the same or similar discussions with them multiple times. And it's really a waste of time. Whereas if you've got one advisor, sorry, one one group, one team looking after you Potentially, I know uh, for our clients, they'll come in and, and depending on their needs, we, we can have a conversation about tax, uh, financial planning, mortgages and insurance all in one meeting. And that, that might require different people to be in the meeting at different times, but that's that's no big deal. It certainly saves the client a lot of Hassle and time, but also it makes sure that we all know what's going on. Um, and so, if there's some changes in, say, um, mortgages, then how does that impact on uh, levels of insurance or types of insurance uh, and so forth? Secondly, nothing slips between the gaps. So, if when I'm formulating a, an investment strategy, um, then I can, and I've got questions about tax income, uh, tax related matters, I can just get up and talk to uh, the accountant in our office and we can have a discussion, kick some ideas around. Nice and easy to make sure. And that way the, the accountant then also knows what's going on with the client. Similarly, it works the other in the other direction. If, if the accountant's doing something from a taxation perspective and, and he thinks it's going to impact borrowing capacity or anything on the wealth side or so forth, Um uh, then, then he can get up and, and talk to me and, and we, again, we can, um, kick some ideas around. Lastly, and it sounds a bit control freakish, uh, but if I give advice to a particular client, I know we're looking after the tax side, I know that advice is going to be implemented correctly. However, if I give advice to a client and they've got a, an external accountant, uh, whilst there's some great accountants out there, there, there are also some accounts that, um, don't have as much knowledge and they can mess up an otherwise good good plan so at least the implementation when you're using the one firm you know it's going to be uh, going to be correct now a lot of people don't realise that accountants can't give you financial advice. So you can only provide financial advice if you're authorised under an Australian financial services licence. Um, and so a lot of accountants are concerned about their liability with respect to giving advice, so a lot of accountants won't go near it. Uh, so, you know, even just basic things like should you contribute into super, where your super's invested, should you start a self-managed super fund, those sorts of things, a lot of accountants are reluctant to to provide advice on. And as I said at the beginning of this podcast, accountants uh, tend to spend most of their time looking at what's happened in the past rather than asking questions or understanding about what's happening in the future. So, you know, they'll pump out an, a, an, a tax return for the last financial year, and they're so busy doing that, they tend to then move on to the next client before asking the current client, hey, are there any changes in your circumstances or what are your plans in the future? And that's not a uh, – I'm not having a go at accountants. That's their job, uh, whereas a financial planner's job is really to look out into the future. And those two people need to be talking, I think. You know, I think it's potentially dangerous that your tax advisor doesn't know what your financial plan is. Uh, so if you're missing out or if you're not confident that your um, – uh, crystallising all the financial opportunities or all the things that are slipping between the gaps or all that your advice isn't congruent, what can you do? Well, as I said, uh, you can obviously um, use a, a team of people. So find a, a practice like uh, mine that provides holistic advice, you know, that look, look after all your needs and make sure nothing slips between the gaps and everything's congruent or you can take that role. And, 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 and you've got to then understand that the onus is on you to make sure that you're sharing as much information as possible. And there's no such thing as too much information, in my opinion. Um, obviously you want to make sure that your advisors are actually open to, to receiving that information and that they're on the same page and in terms of helping you and giving you proactive advice. So there you go. Um I hope that's been helpful to help you understand the the importance of integrating financial and tax advice. And um all the best with your investing. And obviously if you like this podcast, you enjoy the podcast, please do rate it on uh, give leave me a rating on um on iTunes uh, in the in the podcast uh, uh thing. Uh, that would be great. Excellent. Until next time. Bye for now.